Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to open them to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. If you have the Version Bible app, if you hit that More tab and hit Events, the notes are there for you as well. We started a new message series last week, and we're calling this Greater Than, and we're just going methodically through the book of Colossians. Uh, and as we said, this is a book that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, a church that he had not visited at this point. Um, it was a church that had started from men who had come to Ephesus when Paul was there, and they gave their lives to Christ. They went home and started sharing with others, and eventually a church was planted there. And so they were having problems, though, because some people had been coming into the church and teaching things that weren't true. And they were teaching that Jesus wasn't really the Son of God. Jesus didn't really come in a physical body. He was just kind of part of God, but he wasn't God. And so Paul's writing to correct these issues. And really the whole theme of the whole book is Jesus is greater than all these things. Now, how many of you know that we still need to know today, we still need to be reminded that Jesus is greater than? He's greater than all the difficulties we face. I know sometimes we turn the news on and we just kind of go, <sighs> you ever have that? You don't have a microphone to make it that loud, but you just kind of, ugh, right? I mean, it seems like we need a God that's greater than all this stuff, right? And so that's what we're going to look at. So this morning we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Um, but first I have, I have to give my, my Super Bowl joke. It's Super Bowl Sunday. And there, there's a team from Missouri that's playing again. It's, we're excited about it. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, oh. We're just a security team when you need them, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, they're, they're both great teams. And we're both, it's actually exciting because the quarterback for the Niners is actually from Iowa. Good country, Christian kid. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, it's, it's going to be fun. But uh, there was a guy who went and he had seats at the Super Bowl uh, right on the 50-yard line. So he goes and he sits down and he sees an empty seat next to him and, and an elderly man sitting next to the empty seat. And he leaned over and said, hey, wh- what's going on with this seat? It's like an $8,000 seat. Why is this empty? He said, well, this is my wife's seat. And he said, you know, we've, we've come to every single Super Bowl since the 60s together. And she actually passed away. And the guy said, wow, I'm so sorry about that. He said, well, isn't there a family member or someone could have taken the seat? And he said, well, they're all at the funeral. So I, uh, <laughs> the man had his priorities, right? I mean, I got to do what. So the thought in this is Paul is sharing in this book, we have to make Christ our what? Priority. We have to make him the priority because all this other stuff will come around. And, and these people have been teaching that Jesus was great, but he wasn't greater than. He wasn't all these things. So Paul's been writing to do these things. So in Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 15. Now, many people think this was actually a hymn. This, in many of your Bibles, this is formatted differently. It's kind of in a poetic stanza. They believe that this was actually a hymn that was read or sang in churches at the time during their services. And so when they were celebrating together, so Paul includes this because this is full of teaching about who Christ is. And so in chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, 
God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and what? For him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Are you noticing a theme here? He's first, right? So in verse 19, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he's brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So we could spend like a month just on that passage, right? We're going to kind of do an overview because there is so much here for us to digest. But basically, in this, this passage of Scripture, what is Paul saying? Jesus is supreme. Jesus is first. Jesus is over all. And the problem that Paul was facing, the problem, the reason he wrote this letter to this church he hadn't even visited before was people were coming in and they were teaching, among other things, Gnosticism, which was this thing, this theory that Christ wasn't really God because flesh was bad. And Jesus couldn't come in the flesh and be God because flesh was bad. You, you couldn't have this body. And so you can't be redeemed through that. You need to be redeemed through our special knowledge that we have. And so he's saying Jesus is over everything. So let's look at this real quick. What does this mean? Well, we're gonna, Paul talks about the supremacy of Christ. Jesus is above what? Everything, right? He teaches about the supremacy. And so he goes through several things here. He says, first, he's the image of God. He said in verse 15, he's the visible image of the invisible God. So Jesus was truly God in what? Flesh. Jesus came as a human. And so because of that, Jesus came and, and dealt with all the stuff we deal with today. All the temptations, all the drama, all those things. So he didn't just look like the Father, but he was the exact representation of the Father's being. Remember Jesus told the disciples, he said, show us the Father. And what did he say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because we're, we're one, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So he said he existed before all these things. He's supreme over all these things. And guys, this is why we have to understand so many people, especially today in our world, are trying to say, well, yeah, Jesus was here, but he wasn't God. He was just a good person. Jesus was just a, a really good dude because they can't, they can't say he didn't exist because there's way too much proof that he really existed, but they say he's not really God, or, or there are other ways to God, right? We hear that all the time. Paul's saying, hey, Jesus is the image of God. He's the exact representation. He's the creator and sustainer. Paul said that everything was created in him and for him. In several places in Scripture, I, I put them in the notes there. We don't have time to read them all today. But they said that, like in Hebrews 1, 2, 
Now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. So Jesus is the one who was the creative force. He created everything. He was there when everything was created. He has precedence over all these things, preeminence. And here's the great thing, guys. Paul said that he created everything that we can see and everything that we can't see. And so that means Jesus created everything that's around. He created all the, the heavenly realms and all these things. And I had this professor in college that I still remember to this day. We were talking about this. And he said, you know, Jesus could actually take us to the furthest planet and the furthest solar system and say, hey, I made that. And he could actually say, look, look, look at this, look at this feature. Look at this canyon. I made that. Look at this star, the way this works. I made that. So he made everything we can see, but he also made everything that we can't see. And I don't know about you, but have you ever, have you ever felt like an accident? You feel like I really, I really don't belong? Yeah. He said he made everything. He made us. And, and several times Paul says that we were created for a purpose, right? None of us are accidents. I used to, I had this great opportunity when we lived in Missouri. I was able to go into, into schools and teach sex ed classes. And, and so everywhere I went, they're like, oh, that's the sex guy. He's like, yeah, that's, that's me, thanks. My name's Rex, but, you know. But it was really cool. The state actually paid us to go in and teach abstinence in schools. It was so cool. It was the greatest thing. But I had this friend that I worked with, and she came in there, and she, we were telling kids, we, we couldn't say God loves you unless someone asked. And so we would plant kids and say, hey, ask about the Lord, you know. It's, so then we could answer. But I had this one lady that w- would go in with us, and, you know, people would say, well, you know, I just, I, I think I'm just an accident. And she said, let me tell you a story. She said, my mom was taking birth control pills, which were like 99%, you know, effective or whatever. And my dad was actually using other protections. So there's like a .00001 chance that I'm here. And she said, <laughs> I'm here talking to you. God had a purpose for you and for us. And that's the, the same thing Paul's saying here. Jesus is the one who created everything, everything. And so all of us have a purpose. But he's the one who gives us purpose. We can't find that purpose outside of him. But he's also the one who holds everything together. He's the one who sustains us. And, and there are people who believe, yeah, God just kind of created the world, and then he put it on cruise control. No, he's still involved. Paul said he's the one who holds everything together. He's the one we can trust. He's the one that they continue to exist through. And that's why we see so many times in the Gospels when Jesus was, was speaking The wind and the waves did what? They obeyed him because he was their creator. Death couldn't stand up before him, right? Because he's greater. And remember, even when he calmed the storm, what did the disciples say? Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And I love that, said they obey him because he's the one who created them. That's who we serve, guys. That's the God that's above those things. And he's the head of the church. He says he's the head of the church, which is his body. He put all things together. And he feels everything. I love this passage in Ephesians chapter 1. We'll show it on the screen. It says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. Who is the church? Us, right? And he says, and he has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills everything everywhere with himself. We as the church, capital C Church, all the Christians who come together under the name of Christ, he's the head of it. Which means he is the ruler, but he's also the one that gives life to it. And I love this. 
in these times, you know, we know now, you know, really kind of the center of our body is the heart, right? It's kind of what keeps everything going. They believe the head was because when a baby comes out, what's the biggest part? The head, right? All the ladies can say yes. All right. So they thought everything kind of flowed from the head. And that's this idea. Christ is the head of the church. The church flows from Christ. He's the one who owns it, who sustains it, who gives life and power to the church. And that's what we are. He's the one who's above all those things. The idea is his body on earth, his hands and feet. And it has its origins in Christ. And he says he's the firstborn of the resurrection. He was the beginning and supreme over all who rise from the dead. Now here's the trivia. Was Jesus the first person to be raised from the dead? No, obviously, because he raised other people from the dead, right? But he's the, the preeminent one because he was the first one with the glorified body. Remember when the ladies came and he said, don't touch me yet? I haven't ascended. So he was the first one, but he's the most important. In Romans chapter 1, verse 4, Paul talks about the good news of his son, who was the first to be raised from the dead, the firstborn from the dead. And in Hebrews chapter 2, I'll show you on the screen here, verses 14 and 15, it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only a human being could die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Don't you love that? He broke the power of the devil who had the power of death, and only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Because Jesus died and rose again, we guys don't have to be afraid of death. Isn't that a great thought? We don't have to be afraid of dying because we know that death is not punishment for God's children because he's already overcome death. And so, guys, you're, you're seeing this theme that Paul's saying Jesus is above all these things. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is greater than death. Jesus is greater than all the created things. He's here. He's preeminent above all these things. And that, guys, is who we serve. That's the God that, that we serve. And so Paul is coming against all these teachings to say, well, Jesus is great, but he's the fullness of God. He says he's first in everything, and God, all of the fullness of God was pleased to live in him. That word fullness really means like completeness, like the sum total of all the divine power. I love, I, I read a story about a Sunday school teacher, they was teaching him like an elementary class, and they were trying to talk about how the God of the universe became a human. And this girl's like, well, it's almost like a firework backwards. It's like, well, what does that mean? She's like, you know, fireworks like this big and this this big, and, you know, God was this big and he became this big. Like, well, it's actually kind of a great thought about that, right? The fullness of God became man to live among us, to show us the love that he has for us. And so, you know, they thought, well, all these people were teaching, well, Jesus didn't really come as a man. He said, yeah, he did. And he was the reconciler. He says, through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He reconciled everything to the Father through his sacrifice. So I, in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, 11, he says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we are still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in the wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So that's what Jesus did. Jesus came, and he's preeminent. He's over everything, and he took that position of being over everything, and then he did what? He sacrificed for us. He made a sacrifice so that we could have life. And guys, we know none of us could live this life without him, right? 
None of us can be good enough. The best person can never be good enough. We need that grace. And so that's what Jesus came to do. He came to reconcile. And reconciliation was necessary because we were alienated. In Ephesians 2, Paul talks about how we were, we were alienated. And we lived in this world without God and without hope. We were people who needed redemption. We needed reconciliation. Every one of us was because of it, because of our sinful nature that led us to be separated from him. So guys, we needed reconciliation, and Jesus came to be just that for us, and that's what Paul was teaching. It was necessary, and then reconciliation was through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so people were saying, well, Jesus didn't really reconcile. He didn't really do that. They said he did. I love this verse. He's going to show up here. Ephesians 2.12. It says, in those days you were living apart from Christ. How many of us were living apart from Christ at one point, right? We were excluded from citizenship among the people of Christ, and we didn't know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And I can tell you, that's where I was. You know, people are like, oh, you were were a good kid. (laughs) But I didn't have hope. I was alienated because of the decisions I had made. And Jesus came as the preeminent one, and died for us. And so it was made through the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Christ. He showed us the truth. And then that reconciliation made us holy. That idea of reconciliation is someone who's made right legally. There was a story about a judge who was um, they called him the hammer because he always handed down the, the most severe sentence, right? He was, it was always the maximum sentence. He said, I want to teach these guys a lesson. Well, one day his son got caught with a DUI. They said, and he was actually brought into his court because he was the only judge. And they said, well, what's going to happen now? He's going to show his son favoritism. Then we can, you know, come against him. And so they brought his son in, and the judge handed down the most severe punishment, he, full sentence. Then he came down out of the stand and took off his robe and said, I'm going to take his place. I'm going to take that punishment for him. And that's a perfect picture of what Jesus did. Jesus was perfect. He hadn't done anything wrong, but he took our place so that we could be reconciled. And it's so easy after we've been Christians for a while, isn't it, to kind of forget, kind of forget where we were, kind of forget why Jesus had to come. And so he made us right. He made us right. I love this. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Did you catch that? Even before he made the world, God loved us and what? Chose us. There are so many voices in the world telling us, you're not, you're not good enough. You're not good. Nobody would ever pick you. Nobody would ever do that for you. And he said he chose us. And he made the decision in advance. See, Jesus wasn't plan B. Jesus wasn't, well, you know, let's, let's see if they can be good enough. Then if not, I'll send Jesus. No, he knew ahead of time that Jesus was going to be necessary. How many of you guys were ever picked last in gym class? <laughs> You're that one, like, you know. Yeah, the little skinny girl and then you, and then they picked the skinny girl over you. Yeah, that was, that was me back in the day, right? But he said Jesus chose us ahead of time, right? 
Jesus chose us to be made right. He chose to give his life for us. I found this great quote, Norman Giesler. It says, in Christ, the accused are unaccused, and the condemned are freed. I love that. The accused are unaccused. Jesus paid the ransom for you. So there's a lot here, and we're saying, okay, what in the world does that have to do with me today? This is great theory, but what does this look like in my life? Well, let's talk about that. How do we, how do we apply this? We have this continuing work of application. This is something we have to do all the time. Well, the first thing Paul says is we have to stand in this truth. We have to believe it, and we have to stand in it. We have to stand in this truth. Guys, there are so many people out there trying to tell us that we really don't need Jesus. There are so many people out there trying to say, well, you're a, you're a great person. You, you don't need that grace. You don't need that religion. There's so many people trying to, to make Jesus less than, and we have to keep learning and growing. And so how do, we, how do we keep ourselves free from all that false teaching that's out there? What do we do? We have to get in the Word, don't we? We have to know it. We have to know what we believe. We have to get into this Word. And, and guys, it's so easy today to get into His Word because we can literally carry it in our pockets, on our phone. We have right now media uh, if you don't have an account with it right now, media, our church pays for everyone to have that. Um, you can watch Bible studies. You can watch teachings. You can, you can do them on your lunch break. You can do it together as a couple, as a family. So many ways, but we need to make sure that we know what we believe, and we need to stand in that truth. We need to keep abiding in him. We have to keep that the main thing. I love in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. We need to keep him as the priority. We have to believe it and stand on it, right? We have to keep our faith a priority. Also, we have to stand firm and not drift away. And this is one of the biggest dangers for us, isn't it? We get a little tempted to, to drift, don't we? It's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to let other things come in and become more important. And, and there are so many things out there that are screaming for our attention, right? I mean, there's, there's work, there's hobbies, there's sports. There's all these different things that come in and, and try to take priority over Jesus. And we have to stand in that and we have to keep him as a priority. We have to keep our faith that priority in our lives. And, you know, we're so good at coming to Jesus when stuff's falling apart the hard part is staying with him when things are going okay. We have to make sure that he is that priority in our lives. And then lastly, we need to help others find him. Paul said he was appointed to be a messenger. We have to help others find Christ. And I forgot to change. I changed up my, <laughs> changed my outline. I changed your handouts. I forgot to change the slides. I apologize for that. We have to help others find him. Paul said he was appointed to be a messenger. One of the ways that we help others find Jesus and stay on track with Jesus is by simply sharing what, what he's done. I don't know about you, but when I find something I'm excited about, I tell others about it, right? You guys ever do that? Find something, man, this is the greatest thing I've ever found. This is awesome. I love this new restaurant. I love this new recipe. I love this. I love this. We need to do that with Jesus. And it gets, it gets intimidating sometimes, doesn't it, trying to tell people about Jesus? We get a little nervous. What if I mess up? What if I don't say the right thing? 
But here's the great thing. Jesus is the one doing the work. We just have to be the witness. That's how to tell him what he's done. Just share our story. Share what he's done. And that's one of the easiest ways to stay on track is to help others find Jesus. It reminds us of what he's done. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. If you're physically able, would you stand? And I know so many of us face things every single day. And we need to remember what Paul said. Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is bigger than. Jesus is greater than all this stuff. And I know we face things, and I have no idea what some of you are facing in life. I know it's easy to come up against things in our faith. It's easy to come up against things in our families, in our workplaces, in school. I know some of you students are just bombarded by things. Some of you, your workplace is is super difficult. Maybe even it's toxic. Some have home lives that are really rough. But here's the great thing. We serve a God who's greater than all those things. And I know it's easy for me to say, you're like, you're the preacher, you're supposed to say that. (laughs) But there are people all over this room who can tell you, I've been there. And Jesus came through because he is bigger than that. And so we need to be reminded of that. You also need to make sure that we're standing firm in that truth. Paul says you need to believe this and stand on it so that you don't drift away. Sometimes we need to re-up that commitment. Lord, I'm going to spend time with you every day. I'm going to spend time getting to know you. Maybe it's three minutes. Maybe it's five minutes every day. I'm just going to spend time focusing on you. And some of us, maybe God's challenging us to be more vocal in sharing what he's done in us. Maybe you have a coworker that you say, oh, that person just drives me insane. It's, I don't know, I, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, that person just needs Jesus, right? Maybe we're the ones that can share that. Hey, let me tell you about this God who'll make your attitude better. I don't say it that way. But let me share about what Jesus has done in me. Let me tell you. So Lord, we just come this morning and we thank you that we serve a God who is greater than all these things. We serve a God who is bigger than everything in the universe because you created everything, but you also love us and you're involved in our lives. And Lord, I just pray for all of us in this room, all of us watching online, Lord, if if we're coming up against things and we just need to be reminded that Jesus is bigger, Lord, would you remind us, help us to get that down into our hearts today. Would you fill us with faith to know that, that you are bigger and you are with us? Lord, some of us in this room, some of us watching at home are, are being bombarded with things that are trying to get us off track. They're trying to get us to drift, trying to make other things the priority over you. Lord, help us to stand in that truth. Maybe some of us are being told things that aren't true. Lord, help us to stand in that truth. And Lord, help us also to share you, to take those opportunities to tell others about what you've done in our lives. Like Paul said, I, I've been appointed an apostle and a herald. Lord, we've all been appointed to share, to tell others. Lord, help us to take those opportunities.